0: Lord, I worry because I forget your wisdom. I resent because I forget your mercy. I covet because I forget your beauty. I sin because I forget your holiness. I fear because I forget your sovereignty. You, O Lord, has always remembered me. Help me right now to remember you. Father, we ask this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. In the early 1500s, God raised a man called William Tyndale, a passionate and gifted young scholar who learned Latin, Greek, and Hebrew for one reason, so that he could translate the scriptures into English. You see, Tyndale wanted every Englishman to have a Bible in his or her hands so that they can read about God and that they can connect with God. But he faced two challenges. Firstly, English translation of time was illegal. And secondly, Tyndale did not have the financial resources to distribute Bibles on such a massive scale. In the time of God, uh, Tyndale's leg, God raised a London businessman known as Humphrey Monmouth. Humphrey Mormoth, when he first uh, met Tyndale and heard about his ambition, Monmouth immediately took uh, but, uh, Tyndale into his uh, refuge. He risked his life to protect Tyndale and partner for him. For six months, William, uh, Humphrey Monmouth housed Tyndale in his own house so that Tyndale could work on translating the Bible into English. And when the Bible was done, Momoth used his own uh, business uh, t- techniques to be able to and his connections to get merchants to smuggle this contraband Bible right across England. Both men paid with a high price for this endeavor. Momoth himself ended up in prison and Tyndall dead. But together they lit a flame for the next generation to come because within two years of their death, the King of England ordered that every parish church should receive its own copy of the English Bible, and within seventy-five years, the King James authorized uh, uh, King James himself authorized an updated English translation whereby he used at least eighty to ninety per cent of what Tyndale wrote and For the next one hundred and fifty five years after King James' Bible became one of the most influential Bibles in the English language. History remembers Tyndale, but many people have forgotten Humphrey Mormoth. God uses strange people, in this case a wealthy businessman, to accomplish his work. God uses strange people, and today in our Bible text with this morning, as we continue our sermon series on the book of Ezra, we are going to meet a very strange felon. And God is going to use this strange person in a very unusual way to encourage his people. By the time we come to Ezra chapter 7, verses 11 to 28, our text for this morning, 60 years have passed since the beginning of Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. A new generation of Jews have now become adults. They have grown up in Babylon. They have heard about how God once, 60 years ago, moved the heart of the king of Persia to allow a batch of Jews to return some 60 years ago. They heard about the edict that Cyrus issued when their grandfathers or great-grandfathers were alive and how they returned. They've heard about how king per- King of Persia backed the Jews in rebuilding the temple, but 60 years have passed. Will God do it again? There are many people Many of us who are like these Jews, we may may not blatantly say that we don't believe the Bible. But many of us, our belief is more subtle. We say to ourselves, yes, what happened in the Bible happened hundreds, thousands of years ago. But will God do it again? Is this God's word still for us today in 2020? Or is it just for the Jews back then? Thousands. Of years ago we doubt the word of God not blatantly but in a very subtle way by saying will God do it again and we disbelieve them and this is why God has to raise a very unlikely witness to speak to us His name is King Artaxerxes and he was the, the newest king to mount the throne in the Persian the new king in Persia Artaxerxes, according to Greek sources, is sometimes known as the long-handed king. This is because he has inherited a disease, but by his right hand, it's much longer than his short hand. But he came from a very dysfunctional family. Sources say that Artaxerxes' brother killed their own father with the help of a eunuch, and to take revenge for his dad, Artaxerxes killed his own older brother. Talk about family feud. <laughs> Artaxerxes was also known as a very political savvy man. During his time, Greece was uh, gaining power and later would take over as the next world power. And Greece was rapidly rising in power. Instead of attacking Greece himself and risk his own men, what um, Artaxerxes did was that he funded the enemies of Greece so that they would do the dirty work for him. So he was very politically, very savvy, was a wise and clever king in many ways. This is why many scholars are very perplexed that Artaxerxes would write a letter here that's printed for us here in Ezra 7, that's very God-glorifying, that speaks gloriously about Yahweh. But we don't need to be so surprised. Because Artaxerxes also grew up in a home whereby she, he was the stepson of Queen Esther of the Bible. And Nehemiah, when we read in Nehemiah chapter 1, was also Artaxerxes' cupbearer. So perhaps his stepmom, Esther, and Nehemiah was of some godly influence on him. But God raises here Artaxerxes to teach us what God is like. And the main lesson that he wants to teach us in this letter is that God is the God of heaven. A phrase that's repeated three times in this letter itself. God is the God of heaven. We read here in Ezra chapter 7 verse 11. This is the copy of the letter King Artaxerxes had given Ezra the priest. A teacher of the law, a man learned in matters concerning the commands and the decrees of the Lord for Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the teacher of the law of the God of the God of heaven. Three times here in this letter, Artaxerxes is going to refer to God as the God of heaven because that's the gist of what this letter is about. What does he mean when he says that God is the God of heaven? Two things, two lessons for us from Artaxerxes' letters, uh, letter this morning. Number one, To say that God is the God of heaven means that God's word can never, has no expiration date. God's word can never, has no expiration date. Sixty years have passed since Ezra chapters 1 to 6. Does God still remember his promise to restore Israel? And the answer according to this letter is yes. God is the God of heaven. His word is not bound by anything here on earth. So look at what Queen Esther Sebstine has to say at verses 13 and 14. Now I decree that any of the Israelites in my kingdom, including priests and Levites, who volunteer to go to Jerusalem with you, may go. You are sent by the king and his seven advisors to inquire about Judah and Jerusalem with regards to the law of your God, which is in your hands." The first thing that uh, Artaxerxes says here is that, Asdra, you may go back. And it begins this very same way how Asdra chapter 1 verse 1 begins. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1 begins with the words of Jeremiah being fulfilled as God stirred the heart of King Cyrus, allowing the Jews to return to Jerusalem some 60 years ago. Here, God's promise has not changed. The first thing that Artaxerxes says is that, you may go. Go back with and take with you whoever wants to go, whoever all the Jews that want to go, and just as God has provided silver, gold, livestock, freewill offerings, in Ezra chapter one for the for their ancestors to take home with them, God here does the same. God's word never changes. Verse fifteen. Moreover, you are to take. With you, the silver and the gold that the king and his advisers have freely given to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem, together with all the silver and gold you may obtain from the province of Babylon, as well as the free will offerings of the people and priests for the temple of their God in Jerusalem. Time has not diluted God's promises, but in fact it has enriched. God's promises. God here gives even much more treasures for this next batch of uh, Jews to return back to Jerusalem. Unlike human relationships, many times we let time, we let distance, dilute our relationships with people who we were once close with. But God's not like that because God's not of this world. Arthur XVI says it right. This God is not of this world. This is a God of heaven. His word never expires when he makes it a promise he makes it to us personally and it never changes last saturday one of my deacons from my former church died his name was carl anderson when i first met carl i was very intimidated by him he doesn't smile he's a man of very few words he used to sit at the back of the church and he would put his hands on his hips when people stood up to sing. One Saturday after our prayer meeting, Carl came up to me and very surprisingly, he doesn't usually speak to me, but that Saturday he spoke to me and he said, I will always be here for you, Pastor Timothy, and then he walked off. Over the next few months, we became good friends. He would often invite me to their home to have dinner with him and his wife, Margaret. And sometimes we would talk until after midnight. And he would start joking with me. You know, Carl never jokes. But then he would start joking with me. Carl knew that I love quirky sermon titles. So one time a van was just passing by the church. And on the van was some catchy advertising slogan. Carl pointed at the slogan and said, Pastor Timothy, that's your sermon title? (laughs) Over the years, Carl and I became good friends. and We would uh, talk. Uh, together about many things with regards to the church and to my personal life and to our personal lives. And he later became a deacon of the church. Our church went through some tumultuous tumultuous times, very difficult times. And um, we would spend hours praying, deliberating about some of these issues and grieving over some of these issues. And one time when I was just filled with gratitude, After such a difficult time, I was just filled with very big gratitude in my heart. And I said to to Carl, Carl, thank you for being such a godly leader and standing and praying with me through these difficult times. Then Carl looked up at me sternly and he said, When I first said to you, I will be here for you, Pastor Timothy. Those were not just empty words. I didn't make it to everyone or to anyone. I just made it to you. And those words are for you. You can count on them. And I think that's what Jesus does. Whenever we read his words from scripture, they're not just God's empty words because they sound good. They sound inspirational because they sound nice so that you can put it on a tweet. No, no, no. They're God's promises for you personally. For me personally. So that even in the most difficult times. We can count upon God's words. They are for you. They are for me. And they will never change. Secondly. What does it mean to call God the God of heaven? To call God the, to call God, the God of heaven means... God is not restricted by worldly obstacles. God is not restricted by worldly obstacles. After the death of King Cyrus and the uh, severe oppositions from the Jews that we read up in Ezra chapter 4, it seems quite unlikely, if you have been just reading through the book of Ezra, that God would raise another king as great as King Cyrus. But God defiles human expectation. God is not bound by our restrictions. God again raises here King Artaxerxes from the Persian culture. We need to understand that in in Persian culture, there are many gods, many magicians, many priests. And it's interesting that God will a pagan king like King Artaxerxes that not only speaks well of God himself, but also highly esteem Ezra. He calls Ezra in verse 12, God's priest and teacher of the law. God is not bound by pagan culture. And and secondly, God is not bound by languages. If you look at Ezra chapter 7 in its original text, you will notice that the body of this letter from verses 12 to 26 is written in Aramaic. The opening uh, preamble is written in Hebrew and after that, it's all written in Hebrew, but What's very interesting is that the body of the letter is written in Aramaic. Aramaic was the official let- uh, language of the Persian Empire and the lingua franca of the ancient world at this time. Just like uh, English is the lingua franca, the common language of most Western countries, including here in Australia, uh, Aramaic was the lingua franca, the universal language spoken by the people in the in the ancient East during this time. And the letter itself is written in Aramaic. Why? Because God is not bound by language. And even in Aramaic, the language of the Persians, you, you, we find Artaxerxes praising God and calling God the God of heaven and, and, and talking about empty coffers for the worship of God in this temple. Why? Because God is not bound by language. God is not bound by an ethnic group. God is not just the God of the Jews, but God is the God of heaven. And also we see that God is not bound by the pride of human beings. Artaxerxes sounds like a very prideful man. Look at verse 12. He calls himself the king of kings. But yet... There is something very striking about Artaxerxes. Though he was a pagan, though he was prideful in certain degrees, he knew the fear of God. He knew the fear of God. Where do I get that? Verse 23, Whatever the God of heaven has prescribed, let it be done with diligence for the temple of the God of heaven. Why should his wrath fall on the realm of the king and his sons? You are also to know that you have no authority to impose taxes, tributes, or duty on any of the priests, Levites, musicians, gatekeepers, temple servants, or other workers at the house of God. What is Sartorix saying here? You need to fear God. He's telling his people in Aramaic, because that is written in Aramaic. To his people, the Persian officials, the Persian court, you should fear God too. You should let the Jews build the temple, lest God turns his wrath against us. And you should not give the priest of, these, of this temple, the gatekeepers, the singers, the musicians, a hard time. Let them have the liberty to build the temple. So don't impose taxation and tribute or duty on them, but let them have the freedom. Why? Because this is a great God that we need to fear. So what does this passage have to say to us? Let's lean in right now for some pastoral applications. Number one, three things I want you to take home with you. Three applications. Number one, there is no person beyond God's reach. All of us know of relatives. All of us know of friends who are so hardened on rebelling against God. Yet God can still use, God can still move their hearts. Just like how he moved the heart of Athexes to fear him and to honor him. No one is beyond God's reach. Don't give up. Pray for them. Number two, don't give up on being a witness for Jesus. How did Ataxerxes come to such a stage in life whereby he not only spoke gloriously of God and gave his coffers to support God's work? Was it because of the influence of his stepmother, Queen Astor? Or the influence of his cupbearer, Nehemiah? We never know. But it could be. God uses strange people for his work. So don't give up on being a witness for God. He may I'm nobody. You are not a nobody in God's hands. Number three, God will send obstacles and difficulties and difficult people into our lives. And when we meet these obstacles, it is for us. It's an opportunity for us to turn to the God of heaven, to know and joy, fear, in this God of heaven, and know that there is nothing too difficult for Him. It's a way, it's an invitation for us to enter into His greatness and watch Him work. So if you are surrounded by obstacles, just like how the Jews are being surrounded by lots of different obstacles, whether it's language, cultural, pagan culture, a different language, in Aramaic versus Hebrew, and all of these obstacles... It's an opportunity of invitation to enjoy God at work so that you will know in your hearts that God is the God of heaven. Last week, Tim Keller posted a gorgeous prayer that I prayed at the beginning of our message. It's a prayer that deeply moved me and it simply says, Lord, I worry because I forget your wisdom. I resent because I forget your mercy. I covet because I forget your beauty. I sin because I forget your holiness. I fear because I forget your sovereignty. You always remember me. Help me, Lord, to remember you. Difficult times and obstacles and difficult people are a great opportunity for us to remember God. That God, in his wisdom, will sort things out for us that in his mercy will not forget us, in his beauty will not give us, let us be in want, in his holiness will not allow us to go into the grass of sin. Stan Dale was an Australian missionary, together with his good friend Phil Masters, an Iowa farm boy from the U.S., they, wanted, they had this dream of bringing the gospel to the Yali people in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. They knew that the Yali people were headhunters and cannibals, but yet they still wanted to minister to them. So together they formed a group, and with their wives and children, they decided to bring the gospel to these cannibals in Papua New Guinea. On September 25, 1968, Stan and Dale arrived at the Sang Valley with their wives and children and with a group of missionaries. Not long after they arrived at the Sang Valley, they heard drum sounds, and the drums got louder and louder as they proceed. These drums were actually warning signals to the local shamans that intruders had entered the territory, knowing that danger was ahead. Stan and Phil told their wives and the group of people to wait for them in the caves nearby as they proceed into their valley. They walked for some distance and saw no one and there was no village in sight, so they kept walking. Then suddenly, out of nowhere, there was a hail of arrows that shot their way and both Stan and Phil were killed at an instant. The natives had heard how the death uh, heard the, uh, has somehow heard about death and resurrection. So they were afraid that Stan and Phil would resurrect after they had died and would haunt them. So what they did was they tore their body into pieces, roasted their body over fire and ate them. Stan and Phil's wives were devastated. In fact, Stan's wife was so disillusioned by what happened to her husband that she decided to leave and go home to Australia for good leaving behind the missionaries and the Phil's wife in God's providence and sovereignty a few months later a plane crashed in the Yali Valley everyone died except for a nine-year-old boy the Yali people came up to retrieve this boy and they swore that it was Stan and Phil that had returned and then resurrected in the form of the boy so out of fear they decided to invite the missionaries and reach out to the missionaries and invited them into their valley. And Stan's wife and children, uh, Phil's wife and children decided to come together with the missionaries and they began to share the gospel with the Yali people. Today, there are a hundred churches, over a hundred churches among the Yali people in Papua New Guinea. God uses strange people, strange events, strange turns of events to spread his gospel. When people see there are obstacles all over, when their missionaries have been killed, murdered, eaten alive, roasted, God still has a way. Why? Because our God is the God of heaven. His expertise is raising the dead. He's the God of the resurrection. Kill his prophets, kill his people, and he still has a way of resurrecting his people for the glory of the gospel because this God that we believe in has died and he is raised to life. Give him obstacles and watch him work for he is the God of heaven. Father, we come before you this morning with tears in our eyes. Knowing that you are sovereign, you are powerful. We pause in this moment in our service and know that your spirit is at work. Yes, God, this world has its share of obstacles and troubles. And times we are so enamored by these things that we lose sight of your word. And we say, yes, it happened to Moses. Yes, it happened to Paul. But it will never happen to me. And we subtly mistrust you and your word. Forgive us Lord God. Because when you promise us, they are for us. So Father, help us to trust you refreshed again. That you are the God of heaven. You're not restricted to the obstacles of this life. But they are given to us so that we can turn to you. So Lord, fill us with a greater vision of you. Many a times we worry because we do not know you. We do not know your sovereignty and your ways. We do not know the resurrection power of Jesus that is so powerful that can even waste the dead. Father, thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name.